Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome again to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. We come to you through three media channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our online newsletters, and via our magazine. They are all now available to you at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are carefully chosen for their expertise or experiences. They do not pay or otherwise give us remuneration to appear, but rather our editors and readers identify them and identify topics they're interested in learning more about. If you have any uh, suggestions, please email us at our new email address, info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Tonight's efforts, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests talking about the topics you want to hear. Uh, we start off this week, we focus on the interesting uh, but little discussed part of Obamacare, dental benefits. Next week, uh, next we talk about one uh, on very unusual business. It was so unusual, I, I had to bring them on the program. And finally, we will turn to an expert on how to generate buzz and sales. First up is Chris Wanker, Vice President, Worksite and Specialty Markets with the Guardian Life Insurance Company, who's here to talk about some of the interesting aspects of dental benefits and Obamacare. Chris, are you with us? I'm here, Don. Thanks. Well, Chris, we always stop, uh, start off each guest by asking them a little bit about themselves and how they got to where they are now and uh, what their interests are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Don. Um, I'm with, as you've mentioned, Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, which is one of the largest mutual companies in the United States. Um, I've been with them for 19 years and have operated in, in different aspects of the company, including uh, within our dental business and and now, as you mentioned, in a, in a number of other roles, uh, leadership roles within the employee benefits division. Um, Guardian specializes in small businesses and small group plans. They have one of the largest dental networks that serve small to medium-sized employers across the country, and we're completely focused on providing the best dental benefits and network and also continually educating our clients about the benefits and the latest news that, uh, that affect their benefit plans. Well, Chris, we invited you on the program today because uh, uh, um, a interesting press release came across my desk talking about uh, um, Obamacare and how uh, it affects uh, dental benefits. So uh, with that as the opening question, I'm going to let you have the floor. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think the, the most interesting thing um, or most maybe the most little-known thing about the Affordable Care Act is um, that it's not just medical benefits that are that are impacted by health care reform. In fact, the benefits that will be available in the small group as well as the individual market beginning in uh, January of 2014 need to include coverage for pediatric oral services. 
And those pediatric oral services are, are really designed um, just like, uh, pretty much just like the dental benefits um, that we sell today. Now, because 97% of all dental benefits sold today are separate and distinct from, from the health plans, Congress reinforced the intent to, to allow uh, small businesses and individuals to, to, cert, to satisfy that requirement, that pediatric oral services requirement, through the purchase of a separate independent uh, dental plan, as well as through a plan that might be actually embedded right within the medical plan. So, so that's what we're going to talk about today is, um, you know, first bring light to the fact that, that dental benefits are, in fact, included within the Affordable Care Act, but also to may maybe how to think about and decipher the difference between getting those dental benefits through your medical plan as opposed to um, purchasing a separate standalone dental plan. Well, Chris, can I interrupt you for a minute uh, uh, and, and just ask uh, a question? I, I, you know, I, I've been following the, uh, uh, the Affordable uh, Act almost from the inception, and um, up until I saw the, uh, your uh, release come across my desk, I hadn't realized that dental was required uh, pediatric. By pe pediatric, I'm assuming you're uh, talking young people. And what's, my first question is, up to what age do you, are you required to provide dental for uh, children? Sure. The, the federal guideline, um, and so states can choose to go higher, but the federal guideline is up to age 19. So really it's ages 18 and below. There must be some level of coverage. The benefits included, uh, really there were, there were two options that were available. One would be the state's CHIP plan. Um, which is the benefits for the kind of the Medicaid population, and another would be um, a, a benchmark plan that's sold to federal employees, and both of those really represent sort of comprehensive dental benefits, very similar to what's uh, what's available in the open market today. So when you when you add all those things together, you get uh, you know comprehensive dental plans for children 18 and below um, required as part of the essential health benefits package. Um, that must be for sale in uh, beginning in 2014. Okay, but so Chris, you're saying if uh, if I'm a small business empl uh, employer and I offer a a, a, a medical plan, um, I have to offer to the to families or uh, employees under 19 a, a dental option within it. Am I correct yeah. in that question? Yeah, and, and that, that is correct, Don. And the way that that works is uh, the health plan that you offer, the medical plan that you offer, will either choose to it, what we would call embed or, or add those benefits into the medical plan, or uh, they have the option to not add them in as long as the members, as long as the individuals are covered by a separate standalone dental plan. And that is true both on the new uh, insurance exchanges, the online insurance exchanges, as well as in the open market. Well, I did a mini research survey pro uh, uh, over the last two days, and I contacted uh, 20 companies that are in our uh, advisory group and uh, talked, to, and none of them had realized up until this point that they, they needed to provide dental coverage. Uh, it, it was it was just a shocking one uh, revelation to me, uh, and to them, as a matter of fact. That's why I'm yeah, so glad you're on the, the program. Yeah, we and, uh, and we get uh, very similar reactions, you know, everywhere we tell the story. 
so but now you you only have to provide it for employees who have children it it um that that is actually a little bit left to state's discretion that is the way sort of as an industry we um we interpret it basically the requirement would be you know for the children to be covered and uh while states may state by state they may go about this a little bit you know differently um the prevailing wisdom is that uh only only those employees that have children or in fact it could be an employee who is age 18 or below or don't forget that class um would have to include those benefits now uh obviously we're talking if you have under 50 employees you're exempt from the uh um uh, mandate and now everybody's exempt from the mandate until 2015 anyway but um uh the employers are at least um so, uh if the if I'm a single person uh, over the age of 19 um, and I buy a policy, I'm not getting uh, that dental benefit unless I pay extra for it or, or go someplace else. Am I correct on that? Well, again, it's gonna it's gonna depend on the coverages that you get. It could be that the medical plan that is being offered by your employee employer would include that benefit right in it, the same way it does prescription drug and um, behavioral health services and, and all of the other benefits that are required as part of the 10 essential health benefits. Mm-hmm. But it also could be that in order to get a little bit less expensive medical plan offering for the employer, they chose to not include the dental benefit and then require the purchase of a, of a separate standalone dental benefit. So dental benefits are, is the only benefit out of the 10 essential health benefits that can that can be purchased a la carte by a separate uh, a separate standalone company. Well, um, let's go a little deeper, if we, if I may. Um, uh, the, there supposedly are three levels: bronze, silver, and gold. Or uh, in terms of insurance uh, policies being offered on the exchanges, only half the states have offered uh, have done their own exchanges, and the government will have to provide the rest. But in the goal, uh, in the plans that you've seen, uh, in the, at the highest level, are they being included? Dental being included as part of the package? We've seen dental included in um, as part of the package at every level, but also uh, medical carriers or you know those those uh, providers that provide that medical benefit, also providing that same benefit without the dental. So we've seen it. You know, with and without dental, uh, pediatric dental at all levels of bronze, silver, and gold. Um, before I go any further, you have an information website that people can go to. Am yeah, I we correct? Have, we have uh, an information website. Um, it's www.aboutemployeebenefits.com. And there's information out there about this issue, healthcare reform, and and the impact on the dental benefits industry, as well as a host of other uh, information about employee benefits and uh, the types of benefits that that different employers um, utilize. Uh, we we even are are out there today with a benefits value index, so an employer can. Um, indicate sort of different attitudes about the usage of employee benefits and and it'll benchmark you against other small businesses and even provide some recommendations for um 
you know, where to maybe take the benefits plan in the future, whether that be, you know, remaining in the open market, moving it to a state shop exchange, or, uh, or, or um, you know, sort of exiting medical benefits altogether and letting letting employees, uh, you know, buy an individual policy on the individual exchange. So all of the attitudes and the way that employers would think about benefits, and you can benchmark yourself against other other employers in the market. Well, um, in your experience, as, as we're starting to get close to the enrollment period, uh, what do you see small businesses? Are they including um, the, uh, the dental benefits as part of their package? I mean, what do you see? Any, have you seen any trends yet? It's, it's uh, you know, the, the trends are, are still yet to emerge, but in the survey work we've done and in the uh, the, the broker uh, population that we, you know, the panels that we use to, to stay close with um, how brokers are thinking of advising uh, their clients, we think that those those customers that already offer standalone dental benefits are going to want to remain offering the, the standalone dental benefits with the carrier and with the network that they already have. So most dental carriers, such as Guardian, are um, doing all the work this year to ensure that the benefits that they offer uh, satisfy the essential health benefits requirement. They're considered um, uh, exchange-certified dental plans and, and can be used to satisfy that requirement. Uh, what's still to be, you know, un- is still a little bit unknown is the significant number of very, or, you know, small employers that do not offer dental benefits today. And in fact, in the employers of less than 25 lives and below, less than 50% of them offer standalone dental benefits today. So with the additional requirement of providing pediatric oral services, um, many of them are considering, well, you know, why don't I maybe offer dental benefits to everyone uh, in my employee population? Because after all, dental, dental benefits are the second most popular or second most highly valued benefit uh, beyond medical insurance of my employees. And, you know, maybe I could do that in a way where, uh, you know, it, it's a voluntary benefit, so employees pay for it 100%, or, uh, you know, we pay for the children and employees can pay for it 100%. So I think many real, uh, many of the sub-25 and, and sub-50 uh, employee employers are thinking about, you know, using this as the impotence to just add a add a dental benefits for for everyone, including the adults. Well, um, you, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, obviously, uh, the Affordable Care Act um, exempts uh, companies under 50 employees, and uh, uh, our studies show that um, uh, in that area uh, there's wide diversity in plans and even offering it. Um, but uh, and and your, your indication are that fifty uh, percent offer dental if they offer uh, uh, insurance. Right. Did I hear that right? Yeah, I, I think I I don't have the medical numbers at the tip of my tongue. You know, a, a greater percentage offer medical benefits, but uh, it's fifty percent of the employers below twenty five lives that offer um, dental benefits. I think it's forty six percent offer dental benefits. Well, let me ask you a different um, a question. Perhaps uh, you haven't had a chance yet to look at it, but uh, but everybody's everybody is looking um, and worried about the cost of medical insurance, whether it's going to go up or down or sideways. Uh, uh, 
in Guardian's case, uh, and let's just stick with the dental, do you do you see that this mandate will uh, lead to uh, more uh, if it, uh, less less charges or more? Um, you know the the co- the overall cost of healthcare, so inclusive of the dental benefits, is is really where all of the focus is, and. You know, I, I think most experts agree that there's going to be some increase in cost as uh, the industry works to, um, you know, include uh, a broader population um, and get to some of the other provisions of the Affordable Care Act, such as no pre-existing conditions and guarantee issue, and that'll that'll cause some um, some sort of an increase in cost, uh, as well as the uh, the um, age banding, the three-to-one age banding. So all of those things combined sort of, you know, lead to an increase in cost in most states. It's, it's very much a regional uh, sort of phenomenon. The oh. inclusion of dental relative to that is is a very, very small piece. Dental is one of the most affordable benefits, and when, when placed next to the medical um, benefit is really just a very small percentage. So whether that's, you know, included within the medical plan is going to add a small a small percentage to the medical plan, or if it's if it's bought outside the medical plan, it's still a very uh, you know very affordable benefit, uh, particularly relative to the the size of the medical premium. Okay, Chris, will you tell our audience again how they can re, uh, find out more uh, at the Guardian website? Sure, our website has lots of information about employee benefits, and in fact, it's called www.aboutemployeebenefits.com. Uh, Chris, thank you. It, it's certainly been an illuminating uh, uh, talk, and I hope you come back a little uh, later on in the year when we get closer and talk more. Okay, that'd be great, Don. Okay, th- that was Chris Swanker from Guardian. In, in, in a moment, after a word from our um, sponsor, we're going to talk with Brian Bearsuit DeLuca, who owns a sock company, and I think is one of the most interesting companies I've run across in a long time. But first, a word from our sponsor. Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2hsa.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit costs. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2hsa.com. That's 2hsa.com. We're back. My name is Donald Mazzella. This is Small Business Digest Radio. We welcome to to our program Brian Bearsuit DeLuca, who owns a sock company with an unusual approach. When I saw this, we had to have him on a program, especially a man with the nickname Bear Suit. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Don. Thanks for having me. Okay, I can't resist it. Where did you get that that nickname? Oh, man. Well, um, I, I've, I've had to embrace it. I got it back in Nashville, which is where I went to school. And... Um, Probably about ten, maybe seven to ten years ago, um, a friend a friend of mine gave it to me, and it's basically because it's like I'm wearing a bear suit because I have so much hair on my body. So, oh, well, um, the crowd. 
Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm now proud, and I've embraced it, and my wife doesn't care, so that's all that matters. Uh, I, I heartily agree. My wife has the thing about the hair on my, on my arm. Uh, so, oh, yeah? Uh, is that your wife laughing in the background? Um, uh, no, she's she's in the other room or probably not oh, listening because she's embarrassed. Okay. But anyway, um, uh, tell us about your company, first off. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Foot Cardigan was born uh, June of last year, so we're just 13 months old. And, um, you know, we had, and we, as in my wife and I, uh, decided to travel to Europe for a while and kind of get away from the States. And so um, fall of 2011, I believe, we went to Europe for three months, and I quickly found out that, of course, I didn't pack enough socks. So we stopped into a store in London, one of my favorite stores, and just to, out of necessity picked up just a six-pack of just kind of crazy stripes and polka dot socks. And um, I had to wear them the rest of my journey, which was still about two and a half months long. Um, and when I came back to the States, it just became, kind of became a staple of my wardrobe. And um, shortly after I came back, um, so in March or April of 2012, um, I saw a video, uh, the Dollar Shave Club video. And it, it's the, you know, the, the razors delivered to your door every month. And immediately, besides the video being really funny, something struck me uh, about this whole subscription model and delivering something to people's doors every month. So um, the idea was born, and uh, I assembled my, my favorite team of guys, and uh, we were off and running. And, okay. So now tell, tell, uh, so tell us a little bit more. How, why yeah. would people want a sock a month? Well, um, you know, it's just not normal socks. So, you know, it's not the boring black and white socks or – you know, gray dress socks or whatever people wear. This is this has kind of become something. The sock the sock craze, if you will, has kind of become something that's that is uh, kind of taken off in, in recent times. Um, just for a lot of people, especially you know guys who wear suits, um, businessmen. We're finding a lot of people in the nursing profession because they wear scrubs all day. Um, really, socks. Wearing socks is something they can identify with. Um, that's something that they, they can identify with their personality. So if they like crazier things, um, if they're a little wild, if they want to portray that side of themselves, they can wear some crazy socks. And so we we actually, Don, we didn't do this without testing it. We didn't create this and just throw it up on on you know on the interwebs and say, hey, everybody, go for it. Let's see what happens. We actually did a, a few a few months of testing this product um, to see if anyone would want it uh, before we ever did it. So um, we're we're yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I was gonna. Now let's talk about your product, because all yep. I have is Saco a month. But yep. so tell us what your product really is. Right. So our products. Um, so our, our our kind of motto or slogan is one random pair of crazy socks in your mailbox every month. Um, so we offer monthly, three months, six months, nine months, and twelve months subscriptions. So you can have your you know recurring monthly, you just keep getting sent to you until you tell us to stop, or you can have a set amount of time or give it as a gift. So Foot Cardigan, um, 
probably half of our business is is done with gifts. So we do a lot of gifts. Holidays are huge. We just got through Father's Day, and that was awesome. And um, so that's the product itself. Um, so you, you do, choose the sock. Yeah. You choose the socks, well, or do the, they choose the socks? Your, your good, customers. Good question. Yeah. So so what we found is that um, people actually love random, and we we don't let them choose. So it's completely random to them. Of course, we know what it is because we're sending it, but the consumer doesn't know what they're getting in their mailbox every month. And so what we found kind of as we tested this is there's there's a little bit of a a price point to which people don't like random anymore. Um, so what I mean by that is our products are $9 a month, and we did some testing and, and said, hey, this is the perfect amount to charge someone for something random, something that they don't know that they're not, you know, that they're not getting. Um, and so – there's there's this idea here that this is kind of like, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you see those little candy uh, things where you put the quarter in and you turn it and you don't know what's coming out of it. It could be, you know, purple gum or red gum. This is a similar experience, but for for a, a much bigger product than, you know, a piece of candy or a little toy out of a machine. And so people, we feel people are still fascinated with this idea of random. And so doing the sock subscription to where we get tons of emails to say, hey, my favorite part of the month is when I know sometime in the next couple of days my subscription is going to get here and I see that package sitting in the mailbox and I can't wait to open it to see what it is. So we've kind of hit this interesting nerve uh, with, with this whole idea of random. Well, that sounds fascinating. But um, how, how, do, how do you identify your customers or how do your customers find you? So that's been another great question. That's been a trick uh, that we've kind of had to just figure out along the way. Um, And we can't really do anything traditional. So we can't just go online, throw throw up some ads, and say, hey, come check us out. The reason why is because no one, not, not, not no one, but most people don't know we even exist or something like this or this service even exists. So, of course, we, you know, we had to hire a PR firm, and, and that made sense for our business because we said, hey, who, who do we know or who, what kind of person or what kind of marketing can we do to kind of throw this, throw this out there and to get this in front of people's faces? And so that's, that's really the thing that we're doing right now. Um, fortunately for us, the, subs- the whole subscription model, you're starting to see a lot more and more, um, and that's kind of picking up steam. And so we're fortunate to still have been on the front end of this whole subscription model phase um, but as more and more people are becoming aware of subscriptions and subscription services to things like socks and shirts and shoes and whatever else there is, um, that's just extremely more beneficial for us. Well, you know, um, uh, now, you, but you say PR is one one way. You're in business a year. Um, how are you? How are you generating? PR is one thing, but how yeah. else are you gen- generating sales? So fortunately, uh, and this may sound a little weird, so we're a startup and we're doing really well. Uh, for only being 13 months old, we're kind of exceeding even our own expectations. Uh, there are five co-founders, and each of us is very skilled in particular things. It just so happens that three of us work full-time, day jobs, on the internet, specifically revolving 
online marketing, conversion optimization, things like that. And uh, so we have – yes, exactly. So we kind of – we're very good um, – I'm not going to say very good. I don't. I don't want to be arrogant like that. But we 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 have just been taught, and we understand um, how to maybe attract more visitors to your site that actually convert and buy something. Um, it could be with the colors we do. It could be the co- specific calls to action, where things are located on the page, what kind of draws the eye. So these are all kind of you know. There's been all kinds of scientific and, and research studies that show. Certain things are better for certain sites, and the way things are laid out. Um, and we kind of we use those those models that kind of have been laid out for us, and and have seen you know some pretty good conversion rates because of that. Well, um, for our audience, what are the three things that you've found uh, in starting your business that you think um, uh, they they should really keep in mind starting with <clears throat> or expanding their business? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, number one, I would say test everything. Everything that a business owner or a startup should do, you have to test it before. Why? Why would it? Bog, it blows my mind to think that someone would work so long on creating something and put so much money into creating something when they don't even know if people want it. And so, just the process. And I will recommend a great book, The Lean Startup by Eric Ries is one of our favorite books as a company, um, just kind of says, hey, just throw it out there. Get it out there. See if people even want this before you dump tons of money into this thing. So that's number one is do your research um, and see if people even want it. Number two, um, that's probably equally as important, is your team, uh, the team that you kind of build. And um, I, I'm, I've been really fortunate that I have four other guys that are, that are for not only friends but great business minds that we all understand each other. We understand we all play a role. We get along really well. Of course, we have some hard times. And we've, we have some hard conversations, but um, making sure that everyone's on the same page, make sure that you like the people you work with and that you trust them um, is, is certainly key. And then the last thing I would say, Don, um, in terms of what I would suggest is don't be afraid to take a risk. And I know all these principles sound so basic, but it's much harder to do them uh, than it is to say say to do them. And so you have to kind of just stick your neck out there and say, well, I don't know if our consumers will like this. Well, just do it and see if they do. And if they don't, then you can shift. And, and that's the point of taking risks and sticking your neck out there and saying, I, 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 want, I want to start this business or, you know, I want to start <laughs> one thing that we're, we're going to start doing this fall or early next year is instead of the subscription model, single sock sales. So start selling individual pairs of socks because right now you can only buy subscriptions. And for us, that's a risk we're taking in some way because the subscription model has worked really well for us to this point. And so we're just going to say, you know what, we're going to throw it out there, we're going to test it, and we're going to roll with it. And if people like it, awesome, fantastic. And if they don't, we know that doesn't work. So those are the three things that I would say. Uh, if people wanted to go to your website, <clears throat> what is it? The website is Foot Cardigan, F-O-O-T-C-A-R-D-I-G-A-N dot com, and your your eyes will be amazed, your feet will love you. Um, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a fun it's a fun thing. It's a great gift to give, and um, you know we we feel very lucky. Um, it's really flattering to us when we see kind of a gift message come through and says, you know, this is your Christmas gift. Um, that's kind of flattering that someone chooses us to be that gift. So we're always humbled 
we like to have fun with our with our customers and and we are very casual in our interactions and and make sure that customer service is is, is numero uno. So Oh, our our engineer already is uh, going out to your website. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Rich, uh, uh, Rich is our engineer. Um, tell us once again your website, and uh, tell us once again. Yeah, it's footcardigan.com, and uh, by going there, you can get one random pair of crazy socks in your mailbox every month. Okay, thank uh, thank you. Uh, come back again next year. Let's talk further, see how far you've Absolutely. come. Absolutely. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you come. come. Uh, after this commercial, we'll be back with Allison Dutch, who's one of the most interesting uh, women I've met in a long time, and she's going to talk about creating <coughs> creating a buzz and uh, PR. In Just how dangerous is social networking? Use of websites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all the rage. But what are the downsides of this new technology? The incidents of bullying, stalking, harassment, and inappropriate content are increasing. Just how dangerous is it? What can you do to protect your child and yourself from it? Go to protectivecountermeasures.com for a free hour-long video on the dangers of social networking. That's ProtectiveCountermeasures.com for your free hour-long video. Welcome back. My name is Donald Mazzella. I'm Editorial Director of Small Business Digest, and I'm your host here at Small Business Digest Radio. Uh, Our next guest is Allison Dutch, who has been helping small businesses drive their sales, expand their marketing, and do a heck of a lot else. Uh, Allison, are you there? Yeah, I am. Okay. <clears throat> Allison, we always ask our guests to, to start off by telling them, uh, telling us audience a little bit about themselves. And uh, I know you've got a fascinating background, so please tell us a little bit of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm glad you find it fascinating. My life, right? Um, I have been in the PR business for. 25 years, and um, I specialize in launching products. I work with entrepreneurs and startups of all different kinds. I've also worked with a lot of uh, large corporations um, over the years, like Mrs. Field Cookies and Swatch. I'm doing line extensions for them. Um, I uh, What else can I tell you? I'm a ski patroller in my spare time, and um, I love what I do. Well, And the name of your company? I have two companies. Uh, we have a full-service PR company called Brown and Dutch Public Relations based in Malibu, California. And we also have a do-it-yourself PR service that's called Consumer Product Events. And that's where I uh, that's where we first met, and I found it as a, a man who's covered the small business industry for a long time, one of the uh, better events. You want to talk a little bit about that first? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Don. That's kind of you. Um, a few years ago, about five years ago, um, I thought, gee, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could create some kind of a matchmaking service where we introduce product companies to a whole bunch of reporters in one day and then give them the press list 
Um, and, uh, you know, being in the PR business for such a long time, uh, you know, our clients pay us six to $10,000 a month, and we don't give away our contacts. Those are with the press. Those are proprietary to us. And, in fact, they're so proprietary that publicists don't share them amongst themselves even. So I thought, wow, wouldn't it be really cool to, to, to actually do that, to provide them uh, with this service? So um, that's what we did. And uh, these events are held uh, during the time of the year when press are looking for certain kinds of products, so every you know fourth quarter they're looking for holiday products. So we do gift guides. Every February they're looking for holiday gifts. So we do uh, Valentine's Day products. I'm sorry, Valentine's. Um, every October they do a Breast Cancer Awareness Month uh, segment. So we do events um, featuring those kinds of products and eco products and pet products and all different kinds of things. And you're doing an October, uh, October uh, Valentine's. Yeah, so um, as publicists, we know that uh, the magazines especially are long lead, meaning they're thinking about what's going to go into their February issues for Valentine's Day in October. So we hold those events for Valentine's Day, for example, in October. Okay. Now, let's. Uh, our audience are small business uh, leaders who uh, look at public relations and look at creating a buzz as something they have to do but don't know how to do. Uh a, a, new, a, a small business comes to you. Let us say they're in the widget business. What What are the things you ask them, and what are the things they should be preparing before going to talk uh, to anyone about uh, public relations or marketing, creating buzz? Well, the guest that you had on just before me said something really important, and this is really the crux of it all, and that is don't waste your money producing a product unless you know exactly who your customer is and, more importantly, why they want to buy your product. So that's the number one thing. Um, and I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I come across with great ideas who have no idea who their customer is. Um, so that's number one. But, you know, the way that I see any kind of uh, businesses like this, it's got three parts. There's the product itself or the service. There are the operations, which are the people and the systems to make it go. And then there's the marketing. And the marketing is anything that you do to get that product off the shelf and into the hands of someone who will not only just want it, but who will pay you for that product. So depending upon who your customer is will determine what kinds of marketing you're going to use. Now, that might include advertising, PR, promotion, social networking, events, trade shows, a gazillion things. PR, amongst all of the marketing modalities, is the one specific marketing that uses the press to report about a product. And it's incredibly cheap and it's incredibly effective because it uses a third-party voice uh, to give their opinion about a product in a way that um, advertising doesn't provide or any other marketing opportunity. So uh, entrepreneurs need to, um, first of all, um, understand who their customer is before they come see a PR firm. They need to be capitalized, which means they need to have some money in their hand for at least a year. Any kind of marketing really um, is a waste of time unless you really commit to it for a period of time. Um, and, um, and, and you know, you need to have some products so that there's things that we can sample to the reporters. Well, um, uh, uh, we've been talking to various uh, 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 PR mavens and other people. Um, what should what should a small business owner expect from uh, a PR firm? I mean, they always want instant um, 
gratification. Uh, uh, they want the Today Show uh, within two months. Um, how do you manage expectations? Well, um, I've worked for a lot of large agencies before I started my own company 18 years ago, and um, and this is and I, I learned uh, something very important, and that is that expectations are everything, um, and you need to produce. So we have created a system within our company to make sure that we guarantee that they get at least one placement a week. Um, and that means that we have at least a team of three people who are working on every product um, to uh, with three different pitches so that we can guarantee that. So, you know, for every one placement that we get for someone, that means that we're making 100 phone calls. <laughs> so we just need to make sure that we do that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, you know, publicists, you know, when you hire a PR firm, you need to make sure that you find someone who understands your product. Um, are they excited about it? Can they tell stories about your product in lots of different ways? Your product may not be just a tennis shoe that, or a basketball shoe that prevents ankle sprains, but there may be an interesting story about the doctor behind it, or there might be a hometown story about the, you know, the people, you know, where they are. There might be a story about ankle sprains and, you know, how prevalent they are in the NBA. So, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of ways to skin the cat. So um, you need to find someone who really can can think in those ways. Uh, I, uh, I usually sit on the other side as the editor, and uh, I get an awful lot of um, uh, PR pitches during the day. But uh, what I'm always amazed about is um, those pitches that f don't fully understand the product or don't fully understand mm -hmm. my needs. Um, uh, uh, getting people to come on this program uh, sometimes it leads to interesting results, um, interesting questions more than results. But uh, uh, how do you get to know a product and a, a client and what they're doing? We ask a lot of questions, and that usually happens in the very first meeting before they even become a client. And those questions are things like, tell me about your product. Why do you think it's relevant? Who is your customer? Who is actually buying the product as opposed to the people who you think are your customer? Uh, how are you selling it? Is it an OEM product? Is it a private label product? Is it a direct-to-consumer product? Um, what kinds of uh, marketing have you done so far? What's worked? What hasn't? Um, you know, uh, we uh, and then we do our homework too. You know, in the space to see you know what other kinds of things are out there so that we can determine how to talk about this product in a way that is really, truly unique. Obviously, we're not going to call a reporter and say, you know, uh, hey, I'm calling about, you know, the blue shoe that, you know, you just reported about the red shoe. Obviously, they're not going to care. Well, um, I'm always fascinated um, in, in talking to PR people how uh, they don't spend the time to know what I, what my needs are, how how do you deal with that? <laughs> you know, um, uh, of everything that I've ever learned as a, a puppy in PR, and that is from every reporter. Please look us up and see what we write about before you call us, and so we do. 
Um, you know, the way that most publicists work, and we do this too, is that we'll write a press release with a certain kind of an angle to it. And let's say the angle is, um, you know, for the vegan, for reporters who write, report, report about vegetarianism or about veganism. Um, we'll send it out wide. And then as we, um, to all the reporters that we know who report about that subject, but then when we go through our follow-up, we'll call to make sure that the reporter that we're calling at the, in the health section of Los Angeles Times really writes about vegan things or even cares about anything vegan. Um, or the reporter at uh, you know anywhere we you know we look up and see what they do first and often in our pitches um, we will uh, make sure to comment to that reporter back hey I really like that story that you just did on you know gluten on the gluten free industry I think that's really interesting and here's um, another another subject that I think might be of interest to you based on what I see that you write about well let's talk about how you prep a a client to to for instance to come on a program like this um uh, our audience uh from the feedback we're getting really get down to really want the nuts and bolts but um can you give some of the uh things you would say to to uh, someone who's being interviewed Absolutely. Um, I just did uh, Kate, the ABC uh, television station with one of my clients today here in Los Angeles this morning, and so this is what I do. Uh, first of all, I media train them. If they're going to be on, if they're going to be on television, or if they're involved, especially in any kind of controversial kind of um, uh, business, so I'll hire a media trainer, or I'll do it myself. Um, and then what I'll do is I will make sure that I have every bloody detail I can possibly get from the producer on exactly how the story is going to go. Who else is going to be on camera? How many cameras are going to be there? Are you on camera with them? Can we put product in the shot? Can we discuss this? Can we discuss that? I get very clear on exactly what's going to happen. And then I brief my client on exactly what's going to happen. Um, I will tell them what to wear. I'll tell them what to say. I'll give them a, a list of talking points. And then I'll practice with them and say, you know, I'll actually do some role playing with them, depending upon how experienced of, a, of an interviewer, the interviewee they are. Um, and uh, and then when it comes to the interview, I'm there. So, like for example, today I was behind the camera and I was behind the reporter, looking at my client as he was looking at the reporter and me behind, coaching him, giving him thumbs up or you know, or mouthing words to him um, that he needed to remember to to interject. Uh, so um, that's how I work with my clients. Well, um, how do you deal with a negative situation? Um, uh, uh, big companies have crisis management teams. Small companies, uh, you know, it's not what the problem is, but how you deal with it that really decides it. What do you? T uh, how do you deal with that within a small company? Well, uh, crisis management is actually one of my um, areas of ex expertise, um, and I, I really enjoy doing it. And I'll tell you, uh, the most important thing about crisis management is this. You, if anything is going on in your company, and no matter how large or how small you are, you must centralize information first. In other words, you need to get your whole crew together and say, look, we have an issue that might be an issue, and that means if anybody gets a phone call that it goes to our director of marketing or whoever that person is that, that is going to be the one person. Um, and really, the most important thing also, once they do respond, once you do pick up the phone to a reporter who's having an issue uh, or sees and is, is making a fuss about something, um, you need to make sure that you're um, very, very uh, responsive, you're very respectful, um, you're never defensive. 
Um, and you have to just watch the news and see how it unfolds because sometimes it's not worth responding at all. It really depends upon how the news is affecting uh, your universe, meaning your customers really. Um, and if it's not, then you might just leave it alone. And if it is affecting, then you need to focus on something very positive that you're doing to um, make a difference instead of just saying, I didn't do it. Well, um, what about the... Uh Getting back to the reporter, um, having been on the other side, um, uh, no, a no comment is sometimes worse than some comment at all. And so, uh, I'll, I'll leave it, in the, I'll leave it the, that as a question and leave it for you to answer. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I worked. I worked for some very um, interesting com uh, companies and properties over the years. The Miss Universe uh, pageant being one of them. Talk about crisis management. Um, you know, no comment is definitely the worst thing you could possibly say because it's just going to um, instigate a reporter to ask more questions. And if you are not prepared and, and really skilled at this, you are going to lose. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, if, hopefully you're never caught off guard. Um, really the best advice I can give to any company is that if you have a crisis, call a PR professional immediately. Call someone who understands crisis and let them help you. That, that's really the best idea. Um, before we go any further, tell, tell uh, the audience how they can get in touch with you, website, phone, etc. Uh, they can find us at consumerproductevents.com, and we have a couple of events. Actually, we have one more event upcoming for the year, and that's for Valentine's Day products in New York City in October. So if you'd like to submit your product to be considered, you can go to consumerproductevents.com and, um, and uh, submit there, and uh, we vet all of them and see what works and what doesn't. Um, they can always call us um, at 310-317-1543. Um, I emphasize on this program that no, uh, we invite the guests on. You can't pay pay to get on this program, so um, uh, um, and, and I invited you on this program only because I really enjoyed that uh, the show you did in New York uh, in June. So uh, let's let's talk about um, uh, meeting the press in situations like. Um, like that. Um, uh, if you go to a show, and uh, uh, not your particular show, but uh, I always do a little test uh, whenever I, I attend any anything like the fancy food show, and ask for them to contact me. And only one, uh, the the number never varies much be between twenty nine and thirty one. Out of every twenty nine to thirty one cards or forms that I fill out, only one person follows up. Do you? Wow. What do you say? Yes. Either that, maybe they maybe they don't like me. I don't know, but uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's one of the interesting things. But I've uh, I've done it with uh, talk to other people, and that's also the case. Uh, and, and PR follow up is the key. But uh, wh what do you tell uh, your your uh, clients, uh, particularly for the show and uh, for your shows and for other shows? Gosh, well, um, follow up in my business is life or death. I mean, if you don't do it, then nothing's going to happen. Um, we are probably the queens and kings of tenacity. Um, you know, we call a reporter probably five to seven times before we give up. And sometimes on the seventh try, 
they'll call, they'll they'll answer the phone and say, "I'm so sorry. I know that you've been trying to reach me, and I'm, I've just been so slammed. I'm really interested." So you know, Churchill was the one who said that. He said, uh, "Education will not, privilege will not, money will not, tenacity will." So I don't know what else to say about that. It, but it goes for every part of your life. Well, uh, that's that's for truth. Um, to sum up, um, what three pieces of advice would you give a small business owner who's thinking about uh, PR and promotion? Uh, number one, choose a publicist who really is excited about your product. Number two, be capitalized and be prepared to commit to it for at least a year. And number three, whatever you do, please don't be an elephant hunter. <laughs> know that this is a process of building a business. It's not just because you get on Oprah or think you're going to get on Oprah is not going to make or break you overnight. Well, at that, with that... Um uh, Allison, we really thank you for uh, what I find illuminating. I always love talking to the other side of the uh, uh, the, the divide between uh, PR and editorial. And uh, come back again. Thank you so much, Don. I really appreciate that. And I wanted to add one other thing too that your listeners might uh, might find helpful. I wrote a book called The PR Handbook for Entrepreneurs, and you can find it at PR handbookforentrepreneurs.com and um, that's a cheap and easy and very inform, um, informative way to uh, uh, learn how to do your own PR. And much grateful for your time. Thank you, Don. Wait, wait, wait. Well, don't, now, now that you brought it up, let's just stay a minute and uh, talk a little bit about that. And just um, in, in the manual, what, what are the three things you tell them, tell them uh, uh, in, in your manual that you should... Well, in this book, it's actually an exhaustive brain dump of my entire career, and really it should be a textbook. I'm thinking about actually giving it to uh, universities to use in their PR programs because it's just sort of written in that way. Um, so there's really not just three things, but it does have en- everything in it from, you know, you know, the gestalt of, you know, when and where to call a reporter and which reporters want to hear what kinds of things to how to write a press release how to produce an event, a checklist on you know what to know when you do produce an event, the difference between all the different kinds of marketing. Um, and the next book I'm going to write actually is about those about those three things about the parts of a business. And it'll be this a step, three steps on how to write a business: the um, the product, the operations, and the marketing. Um, so that's the next thing. But um, yeah, this, this book is an exhaustive dive into really how to do your own PR. And the, and the name of the book again, and how they can get it. Uh, it's prhandbookforentrepreneurs.com, and it's an ebook. All right. Allison, talk to you again soon. And thank you. Have a you. great one. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it. All right. Our guest. Uh, we had an interesting program tonight. All our guests are invited because they have uh, actionable advice to you, our audience. Uh, they do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Uh, if you have a guest or uh, you think would would be helpful or a topic that you want covered, don't forget to uh, uh, email us at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you for listening, and we will be here again next week 
with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. We're here every week at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard, tell others about it. Again, thank you. And until next week, this is Don Mazzella and smallbusinessdigest.net.